Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome back to the Claret and Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowenson. For those of you watching on YouTube, you'll see that I'm joined by a special guest this afternoon. It's Max Stokes from Villon Tour. Villon Tour kind of back, kind of isn't back, but that's what we all know you for. Max, are you well, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Um, it is back. I would have liked it to have been in stadiums, but yeah, I'm glad to be back making videos and uh, yeah, happy to be on, mate. Yeah, thank you very much for joining us at short notice. We, we do appreciate it. Um, obviously, we're not live on Facebook today, and I just said before we started, it's almost like a pressure to doing things live, and I, I thought I'd hate that, but it's easier to make mistakes when you know you can edit it out later, so apologies in advance if I'm all over the place here. Hello and welcome back to the Current Blue Podcast. My name is Dan Ronson. Those watching, oh, no Villa games specifically to talk about, but lots of talking points to go over. We've got transfer stuff, we've got questions from Twitter, we've got how do we react to the, the COVID break, Manchester City up on Wednesday evening as well, 6 o'clock kickoff. I guess we'll start there with, with Man City. Obviously on paper you look at it and go, Christ, difficult game, but Villa were good this year, so who knows? Man City made a bit of a slow start to the Premier League, didn't they? Um, mm. But in recent weeks, they, they've been brilliant. I think defensively, they've been so much better than they have in recent years. Uh, John Stone's coming back in, Ruben Diaz as well. Those two look like a, a really, really good partnership. Um, so it look, it's going to be a difficult game. Who knows what the start eleven is going to be? I think Dino did uh, an interview with, with Villa Dini and he was sort of saying mm-hmm. everyone's coming back at different stages, those who have been affected by COVID. So we're going to have to wait and, and see what the team sheet's looking like. But we've seen all the pictures in training over the last few days. So there's a few murmurings about who's in and who's out. But either way, it, it, it's going to be a really, really hard game. Um, obviously, we lost to them 9-1 uh, over two games <laughs> last year. So... Who knows, man? But it's, it's not the easiest game to come back to after a COVID break, is it? But we'll see. It's going to be a difficult one. Just looking at the form guide, they've not not lost for nine games now, um, winning the last five in a row. I always look at the form guide, and I know this is like stupid, like being biased in terms of Villa, but when someone's on such a good run, I always think, hmm, well, they've got to lose at some point. As much as they're relentless and keep going, you do just think, well, they're due a little red dot next to their name at some point, so why can't it be Villa? That's true, but it's, it's just they're just so relentless, like you said, and <laughs> when they're in this kind of form over the past few years, like they're, they're, they're hard to stop, and especially at the Etihad as well, it's going to be a hard game. And But like we said, who knows, they have to slip up at some point. We've seen them lose games this season. They drew at home to West Brom, didn't they? They lost 5-2 to Leicester Mm. at the Etihad as well. So they can slip up. We've seen that can happen. And like you said earlier, Villa are a really, really good side this season. So if this was the Villa of last year, I'd be saying, look, we're going to get absolutely battered, no doubt about it. But this year, we've shown we've gone to big grounds um, you know, like the Emirates and, and done really, really well. So mm-hmm. who knows? We'll, we'll give it a go like we always do. I don't think, you know, Dean Smith likes to say that we haven't lost and we've played really badly and I think that's like one game against Leeds. So we've, we've, we always give people a game. So we'll we'll definitely take it to Man City, but still, it's going to be a hard one. Then the one thing is, that as much as you can go, oh, it's Man City and this is the form guard and this is what Villa are doing, blah, blah, blah. It's the COVID impact, isn't it? That's that's the unknown factor at this point. We don't know, first of all, how badly the players have been affected, even if at all. We don't know whether they had symptoms or not. And people have been asking us for, for questions on social media before we started and people said, oh, which players are, have been missing and, and who's been affected by it? And that's just something that isn't 
public information because it's medical records and confidentiality and all that kind of thing. If this was just match week to match week and Villa were on form, you'd go, yeah, quite fancy going to Man City and, and giving them a game and having to play on the counter-attack and you never know what will happen. But if Villa have been riddled by COVID and are, are physically unfit, it could be a, a terrible period of, of games for Villa coming up. Yeah, if, if this game was like a month ago where we were doing really well in December, I'd, like you said, I'd fancy just going to the Etihad and giving them a really good game, but... You just don't know. Like at the end of the day, this is a disease that affects loads of different people differently. Like at the end of the mm. day, people might say, "Look, they're young, fit lads; they shouldn't be affected too much." But you just don't know, individual to individual. Like some of them might might have been really, really badly affected by it, and it will take them um, weeks and months to get back. You've seen people talk about the Newcastle impact, where Saint Maximin still isn't back. Um, Jamal Lachelles is is still really struggling. I probably butchered his name there, but <laughs> those two in particular are really struggling at Newcastle. So you just don't know until, until the fixtures come out that. You know who's going to be impacted by Villa, and it's it's not really fair to speculate. Like you said, Trezeguet is the only one who's openly come out and said that he's had it. But until we see the team sheet tomorrow, and mm-hmm. you know the, the fixtures in the future as well, we, we're just not going to know. But yeah, it's a tough one to predict. But you've still got to just take into account that it's still a disease, and people will be impacted by it, even if they are young, fit lads. Were you scanning the training photos to see who was there and who wasn't? Because that's what yeah. I was doing. I was looking in the background, going, "Oh, is, is Barkley there? Is Grealish there? Well, who's there? Who's not?" Okay. I've, I've not missed anyone. I don't think. Yeah, they still might have had it though. They might have just just come yeah, back. True. And it might, they might be people who it hasn't impacted, but they still might have had it. So yeah, I, I was looking at the pictures. I know Villa tweeted this morning that Ross Barkley's back with the little eyes emoji. So hopefully, <laughs> you know, he's he's back and fit. And some quotes from from Dean Smith that I want to read out. He says, "I believe in the players and the mentality they have at the moment, and that they'll be ready for the game. All clubs have been hit in some way. Manchester City have had a few players who've had it. I think Sergio Aguero will miss the game as he's in isolation, which is an unexpected bonus I was not aware of. Um, so all clubs." are having to adapt and we're no different the players have an awful lot of belief in what they've done already and in what they can do in this league this season we're looking forward to the game now I say things like this all the time about Dean Smith being like not like a headmaster because we've we've referenced Gerard Hudo being like that but I just feel comfortable he's in charge and I know that's like a cliche to say because he's our manager and he's one of us and all the rest of it but before this you look at it and go oh god this Covid thing might seriously affect Villa in the season and then you read a handful of quotes on the, on a website from a manager saying oh well, well we'll be okay and I kind of think yeah Dean Smith's got it all under control and I've got nothing to worry about. Yeah, I mean, he could say anything and I'd probably trust him, but (laughs) the interviews that he did um, with Villa, he he spoke really well about the whole situation and our squad isn't the biggest and that that is the sort of thing that everybody talks about. We need a bit bigger and better squad, but... Mm. It's, it's just hard to predict. Like We just don't know who's going to be impacted by it and until we see the team sheet tomorrow. We, we're just not going to know. But I put all my trust in Dean Smith. Like He knows what he's doing. Um, he's had a few days on the training ground now to, to sort of work with the players that he will have, um, which is what we wouldn't have had if the Everton game went ahead because I think the isolation period ended on the Saturday and then we would have had yeah. a matter of hours to, to prepare for the Everton game. So it's good that we've had a couple of games um, with the players that are fit to prepare for this Man City game. But, but even still, we, we just don't know yet. The interesting point was how we've got some players that have come through at championship level and, and we'll have to have de- dealt with a, a busier fixture schedule. This is obviously something that, that Smith mentioned as well. He said there were some key players who came through that in the championship. The likes of Mings, McGinn, Grealish and El Ghazi. Ollie Watkins has also just come from the championship. So we've got a lot of players who know how to get through a lot of games in a short space of time. We'll have to utilise the whole squad. We believe that the squad's good enough and we're looking forward to it. It's 23 matches to the end of the season and we look forward to them all. Do you think that's quite a, again, a, a reassuring, comforting thing, knowing that one, if they're as long as they're fit, they'll be ready and raring to go because Villa are playing well at the moment. There's something to play for and they'll want to keep pushing. Like I said on the last one, as much as like fixture, fixture congestion can be a bad thing, if you just keep winning games, 
you want to keep playing the adrenaline will keep you going as much as your, your body might want to give up and have it knowing that i don't know what five six maybe even seven members may cash as well of the first team have come up from the championship in recent years or this year they, they're used to games aren't they and as much as the covid thing we don't know how it's going to affect them etc cetera, etc cetera. they're used to playing games and that probably might benefit villa yeah it's definitely a big bonus and there's the well probably the majority of those players have, have played in the championship and have had to yeah, sort of deal with, with well. lots, and lots of games um, so it's only a bonus and Dean Smith I know he said a couple of times that he's, ne- he's never seen a player dragged off because he's so sort of tired so look if this was Jurgen Klopp all you'd hear is moaning 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 but Dean Smith he never never does that so fair play the players just absolutely love it John McGinn after the Chelsea game just said look I, we, we all want to keep on playing um, we're playing really well so why would we not things like that so no, I trust them. You know, they, they're used to playing lots and lots of games um, for those players that have played in the championship, like you said. So I don't think it will harm them too much. Um, but it is a very busy period coming up still. Like, they still will get tired and we still will have to utilise the whole squad. Because I think, what, there's five games in 13 days, which a lot of people have been talking about. So mm-hmm. we'll still have to use a lot of the squad. And it does worry me a little bit with, you know, there's not a fat lot going on on that bench. Um, but... You know, I trust Dean Smith and he'll get something out of them, probably, hopefully. We'll go to a question on Twitter and then we can get out of this COVID talk. And this is from Gary. He says, do you think having this time off because of COVID could potentially benefit Villa? I mean, the last time Dean Smith sat down with players individually and had and had little chats with them, we came back better than ever before. So if we were already good before and he said, well, let's tweak this, let's change that in this break we just had. I mean, Villa are going to come back and win the league is what I was thinking. Yeah, we're going for the top four. Um, but <laughs> for the players that haven't been impacted by COVID, 100%, this is going to benefit them. Um, like I said earlier, Jack Grealish hasn't been affected by it. So and he's played pretty much every minute, I think, um, so far this season. So a two-week break is going to do him the world of good, 100%. Um, other players like that as well, people who haven't been affected by it, it's only going to benefit them as well, just having that two weeks off, just getting ready for this really busy period coming up ahead. Um, but for the players that have been affected, like they're not just going to be sat at home twiddling their thumbs, they're going to have been ill. So... Yeah. It's really hard to predict, but yeah, in terms of Dean Smith as well, he's going to have given him time to sort of work on little things as well that maybe weren't going right. Um, not that there were many things that weren't going right, but, but before the break. But yeah, look, if if it if it worked for a project restart in those three months, then who knows what we're going to be like when we come back. But yeah, it, it, I think it will work well. Ross Barker's hamstring has also had an extra two two weeks of healing as well, which um, he'll almost be like a new signing coming back in again. I know he is a new signing or a new loan signing, but I think he played six games. He's missed seven since. We'd have missed Tottenham and Everton without him playing because he'd still have been injured at that point. So that's two games kind of we've got him back for it. We thought we wouldn't have him for. He'll almost be like a new signing into that into that midfield again, having him back available and ready to select. Hopefully from Wednesday. Yeah, exactly. And people who have been out injured, maybe people with little niggles as well, like Trezeguet, we know has been out for a few weeks as well. I don't know what's. Yeah. yeah did he have a hamstring as well? Was that his so. Yeah. So it just it just gives these players, you know, a couple a couple of weeks more just to um, get that rest in, and we might have potentially rushed them back had we not had this two week break. So it's just yeah. giving them a little bit more time to recover, and hopefully Ross Barkley comes back and hits the ground running like he did when he first came in. You mentioned the five games in thirteen days. We spoke about this on the last episode of like a points total that we kind of expect Villa to get, and uh, or a points total that we'd be happy with. Um, Liam tweeted me and said score predictions for the next five. I'm not too concerned about specific score lines from you for the next five, but points total from that from that busy schedule what do you think it's it's a tough one i think there's a couple of tough games in there everton are flying man city as well but there's there's also a couple of winnable games in there newcastle at home they're just 
dreadful at the moment. And I know that's probably going to come back and bite me, but just watching them, they're probably the worst side to watch in the league. They're just dire at the moment. So we've got to be looking to win that on Saturday. Um, we've got a point to prove against Burnley, Southampton as well, West Ham as well. So those are three yeah. games that I want to win because of what happened in the reverse fixture as well. So oh, in terms of eight or nine points, I think you'd probably take, um, especially with what's going on at Villa at the moment as well. You've just got to take it with a pinch of salt. But I'd, I'd definitely take eight or nine points-ish. Yeah, I think I said I would be happy, pretty happy with nine, but I think 12 is is uh, not realistic. So I don't want to just sit and go, well, yeah, we're going to win four out of five and be cocky and arrogant about it. But there's four winnable games there out of those five. And the Man City game is it's not a free hit in the sense of last year when it's like, well, we're, we're in the bottom three and they're second or whatever. We've got no chance it is a free hit. But to a certain extent, they're still a great side and we're still not at that elite level. So yeah, to a certain extent it is. And it's the first game back, so there was this period of unknown. So like a month ago, they, they would have known exactly the team that we would have put out because we never used to change it. It might have been one change every week, if that. But Dean Smith had a very, very settled first eleven, didn't he? So it would have been mm. easy for Man-, Man City to sort of predict what we would have done and prepare for it. But look, if, if Ollie Watkins is struggling, we have to play Keenan Davis. That gives Man City something else to think about. Um, that's just an example as well. Um, whether the uh, the midfield changes a little bit as well, it just it just you know gives that element of surprise to Man City if if something does have to change and Dino's worked on something um, in the last couple of days that we don't know about in terms of a tactical change or something like that. So it will give the opposition an element of surprise and things like that. So we'll only have to wait and see. On the flip side of that, it's interesting that. Um, as much as I'm sat here saying the opposition won't know what Villa are going to do, I've seen people suggest that hopefully Douglas Luiz has a bad game against Man City because then Man City won't come back in for him and, and activate this buyback clause that isn't going to go away until it actually goes away. It's like, what, he has one bad game against Man City and Pep Guardiola goes, Christ, that Douglas Luiz isn't very good. I'm not interested in him. Like They haven't, they can't get access to all the other minutes he's played for Villa anyway and we'll know exactly how he's been doing. Yeah, that's rubbish that is. Look, he's playing for Villa at the moment and if he goes to Man City, it'll mean that he's played well for Villa. So at the end of the day, yeah. I want him to play well at the moment. Um, and yeah, that, that thing that you just said there is absolute rubbish. Um, you know, Pep and Man City will have been monitoring, monitoring Douglas Luiz since he came in at the club like nearly two years ago. So, look, he plays well for Villa, then he goes, that's fair enough. But I, I, I just don't get that. Like, as long as he's playing well for Villa, that's fine by me. We'll talk transfers then, to, to round off then, mate. You're talking about our squad not being the, the biggest. We need to make additions. I always feel like January isn't the best time to do that, but we've been linked with with Morgan Sanson, or Sanson, probably it's pronounced. Um, we've all been on YouTube looking at compilations. I found a video called This Is Why Arsenal Want Morgan Sanson, which was posted in May 2020. So he's been touted around other clubs before. Um, I think the asking price in, in uh, the summer was 30 million. 15 million seems to be the figure now. Villa are in, in negotiations, according to various sources. Is this a, a player that maybe not specifically I'm going to ask you about and say, oh, tell me about Morgan Sanson, Max, as if you've watched every minute of him, because I don't expect you have done. But is that position a midfielder, something that you think we need to add with the likes of Conor Horahan maybe out on the on the way out? Yeah, I, de- I definitely think it's as a replacement for Conor Horahan. Look, it's just sort of slowly but surely every transfer window we're upgrading a little bit and I think we have mm. unfortunately left Conor behind and as much as I like him, I just think he's not quite cutting it at the moment and he's not at that level where he's sort of really, really pushing Louise McGinn Barkley to get in that midfield three. Um, like you said, I'm not going to come on here and pretend that I've watched Marseille every week for the last few years, but... I've been on YouTube, I've been a little bit guilty of that and seeing what, what's going on, but I've seen a lot of comparisons with him and McGinn. Um, he's a box-to-box midfielder, he's only 26, so he's got room to grow still. Um, he's good defensively, he's good going forward, things like that. But 
Look, I think midfield is definitely somewhere um, that, that we need to look at. I was thinking in the summer, you know, we needed to get maybe another body into midfield um, mm. to, to challenge the people that are already in there. Um, and I've seen a few people worrying about what does this mean for Louise and, and Barkley? Are we not going to get him back and things like that? But I, I wouldn't worry about that. I think it's a direct replacement for Horahan. Um, whether Sanson will want to come and sit on the bench, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know what his quality is at the moment. Like, I don't know how good he is until I actually um, watch him. So there's an element of like, unpredictability about what he's going to come in and offer um, and things like that. But I think that the main thing around it is I think we're getting a cut price for it. I think 15 to 20 million is quite good. Um, I think West Ham put in a 25 million pound bid in the summer and that got rejected. But Marseille have been done with FFP, I think, in the, in the last couple of months. They came second last year. They, they got Champions League football this year. And I remember watching them in the Champions League. I know they're in Man City's group and they, they look really poor. I think they came bottom of that group. Um, I think there's an issue with French television rights as well. Um, so sort of the big French TV organisation has pulled out and French clubs need to generate revenue because they've lost out on the TV stuff. Um, so there's a lot of teams needing to generate revenue and the first thing that comes to mind is selling your, your better players. Um, mm. So I think we are getting a really good price um, for Morgan Sanson. And Dean Smith said um, when he's been asked about transfers this month as well, he's saying, look, if the right deal becomes available and it's at a decent price, which I think this one is, um, we'll go for it. So I think it makes sense. Um, he's the sort of player I'd be looking at as well from what I've seen about his attributes and things like that. So no, it's an exciting one. I don't really want to make direct com- comparisons between Sanson and Harahan, but I am about to do that anyway, just because <laughs> it's, it's a talking point, because I think that is the player that is being replaced or, or upgraded. You say 50 million is a good price. He's 26, he's six foot, central midfielder. He's played in Europe before, he's played in the Champions League. So if it doesn't work out in two years, you're still probably not going to make much of a loss on 15 million. I don't imagine the wages are high in France, so I don't imagine he's going to come in and be on 150 grand a, a week. Just looking at his record for Marseille, he's played 120 games and scored 22. Harahan for us has played 133 and scored 23. I said, I don't want to make direct comparisons, but it's a similar kind of output. Harahan's the majority of that was at championship level, whereas Marseille is, is a different level. So you would expect that to be a direct replacement. I don't think there's any bearing on saying, oh, this means Louise is going to Man City. Chelsea are asking to get Barkley back or anything like that. Obviously, things change, but to me, that feels like Harahan is probably going to leave to the championship, maybe this window, definitely in the summer. We need another midfielder, another body. This is a slight upgrade or hopefully a big upgrade. And that's just part of building a squad over time, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And this sort of similar thing you'd think will happen over the next few years. He'd pick out the weakest part of the squad or the weakest left part back, of the bench. Yeah, just, just slowly upgrade them. Um, like I said, the left back as well, I think, would be probably the next one that we need to look at. Right back as well with El Mohamedi's contract running out and he's not mm. fancying Gilbert. But you've seen that Dean Smith doesn't fancy Horahan because he, he's, he's just been so reluctant to bring him on. Um, you look at that Chelsea game where we're looking to get the winner, Man United where we're chasing an equaliser, and he, he just hasn't brought him on. So Jacob Ramsey's ahead of him in the pecking order anyway. We've seen that. Um, so I think, unfortunately, like I said, I'm a massive fan of Horahan and it is a shame to go, to see him go. But we are just progressing a little bit faster than he is as a player. So we need to get these players that, are, that do have genuine quality like Morgan Sanson in just to take the squad further and give you know the squad a little bit of competition because Horahan just wasn't doing that because he just wasn't coming off the bench so it is Mm -hmm. a shame but it's part and parcel of Villa and how how ambitious we are and where we're going as a club. Besides midfielder and and Sanson specifically because obviously at this point it's nothing's been confirmed and it might not even happen anyway Um, what other positions do you think we need to be looking at either long term or I think left back long term is what is my answer short term in January specifically there's what I don't know 
10 to 15 days ish as of recording of the transfer window left i think it closed on the 2nd of february and i'm too stupid to work out the date off the top of my head where else would we be looking at striker seems like an obvious answer but where you get a striker in that's happy to be back up to ollie watkins in january window i'm not sure who that is yeah i wouldn't be surprised if we don't do anything apart from Sanson for the rest of January as well. I just think, you know, we'd sort of bide our time for summer and then go again like we did last summer as well, get maybe three, four, five bodies in that would generally improve the squad and bring in a lot of Mm. quality. Um, But in terms of positions, we need to look at whether it's this window or or the summer. I think left-back definitely um, to just push Matt Target as well. Because if you're Matt Target, you've got Neil Taylor behind you and you just don't have that much competition. And look, Matt Target's been brilliant this year. I don't think it'll be anyone to come in and directly replace him, but just someone to give him that little bit of, you know, a kick up the arse and just a little bit of, you know, just competition. Because Neil Taylor... As much as he's, you know, a bit of decent servant to Villa, he's just not doing that. Striker as well, we just don't know what's going to happen with Wesley. We don't know how long it's going to take for him to come back and get back to full fitness, you know, be fully sharp like he was before that that massive injury. And he's going to have been out for 12, 13 months and, you know, it's going to take him a long time. So definitely striker as well. Keenan Davis not quite doing the job um, as well. So striker, left back, maybe a right back. That, that's that's one to look at maybe in the summer as well with Gilbert and Elmo looking like they're going to go. So, yeah, full backs and striker for me. But, yeah, may, maybe a winger. I don't know. But definitely full backs and striker. You're getting greedy now asking for wingers <laughs> as well. Just quickly, you just sparked a thought in my head. There was a lot of talk when we signed Traore from Leon fans going, oh, he's rubbish, he's this, he's that. And that's turned out, not to, I wouldn't say that it's not true because he's not like come in and been Ronaldo, but he's been better than what people were saying when he left. There's been similar things about Sanson going, yes, can't wait for him to leave. Sometimes it just doesn't work out for a player at a club and they move somewhere else and, and look like a world beater or look way better than they were for that club. So I don't read too much into opposition fans going, oh, I can't wait to get rid of him. Because we could do the same about players as well. We could be Villa fans going, oh, I can't wait to get rid of Harahan. And he'll go to Swansea or wherever and rip it up for them as an example. So just because you're not happy with a player doesn't mean that he won't want to do things elsewhere. I think January is probably Villa will look to try and move players on if they can. But that's more difficult than I think people realise. We're talking about Harahan leaving. That's because he's a, a talent that people would want. People say, oh, get rid of Lansbury. He's on massive wages. That's the problem. No one's going to come in and pay the wages that we stupidly paid him. And he's not done anything football-wise for how many years, really? He's not performed on any level. So someone's not going to be looking at him going, oh, yeah, he's he's done well. We'll get him in. Connor Harran's played for Villa. He's played in the Premier League. He's contributed. He is an asset that someone would want. You don't get rid of players that aren't playing for you because you don't want them. So no one else is going to want them either. It's difficult. This is a longer term process where you're talking about improving the squad that all these big contracts that we gave a few years ago will all have to run out at some point. We'll have to get the money back. Then you start rebuilding and adding things in in a, in a long term manner. It's easy to just go, well, get rid of him, get rid of him, get rid of him. They're taking up wages, but it's not not as easy as that. And to say to just do that in January, when it's a difficult window anyway, we're going to be stuck with these, with some of these players for a long time. And that's why you can't just go out and go, oh, we'll just get a new striker. Because it's like, well, what about Wesley and Keenan Davis who are taking up wages and, and, and a part of the squad still? So January is a weird market to operate in anyway. So... Like you said, I don't expect Villa to do a massive amount of business anyway. Yeah, especially like in in the current circumstances with yeah. clubs having bigger things to look at as well. I just don't see that sort of thing happening. Henry Lansby won't be going anywhere. He'll, he'll I think his contract runs out in the summer, isn't, uh, doesn't it? So he'll be gone eventually then. But like you said, Horahan is is someone that has done it in the Championship. He's he's got promoted with with Villa. So teams that are looking to get promoted, Bournemouth, Swansea, teams like that, they will be looking at him and thinking he will be a genuine asset to our squad um, mm. and help us get promoted. But 
other players that Villa fans have just said, look, get rid of him, get rid of him. It's, it's just not going to happen. Um, and that's more likely, that sort of thing, thing is more likely to happen in the summer as well. But January is just that sort of month. It's a cliche. It happens every year that just, it's, it's not going to happen. People aren't going to come in and, and splash the cash um, in terms of, you know, Villa offloading players. So it's a bit of a difficult one, but I think that, that sort of thing will come in the in the summer. Right, Max, we'll call it a day there. Thank you very much for joining me at late notice this morning. Uh, we do really appreciate it. We uh, tried to get James on, but he was very busy doing actual work. So I can't just sit around making podcasts like me all day. Unlucky, James. Um, so thanks, Max. Do appreciate it. And um, we'll be back with an episode after the Man City game on Wednesday evening about either me and Matt or me and James talking about hopefully a Villa win. Just before you go, Max, we did say I wasn't fussed about score predictions, but score prediction for Man City, just because you're here quickly. 2 0 Man City. Sorry, I just don't see it happening. They're, um, they're so good defensively. I'm sorry, I just can't see it. <laughs> so we'll be back Wednesday evening to hopefully talk about a Villa win against Man City, just because why not? Um, thank you very much for watching this episode and listening on iTunes, get involved, leaving reviews, YouTube comments, all that kind of thing. Thank you very much and up the Villa. Thank you for listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Until then, up the Villa. Up the Villa.